The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Great to be in your ear. It's a great pleasure to welcome a man with multifaceted talents when it comes to music, but mostly recording. Dana Nielsen is a record producer, mixer, recording engineer, writer, and saxophonist. You could say he has a lot of diversity. Some of the things on his resume that he's worked on would include Adele, Bob Dylan, Smashing Pumpkins, Justin Timberlake, Neil Diamond, Black Sabbath, and we have not even touched the tip of the iceberg there. So, Dana, thank you very much for making the time to talk to us. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to to chat. It's an honor. I listed all these different things, record producing, mixing, recording engineer, playing saxophone. What would you say you're happiest doing? Hmm. I think just listening to music, experiencing music, whether I'm playing or producing or recording. My whole life, I'm just uh, a lover of music and um, grew up with it. And uh, so I, I really enjoy all those different things that I do. Uh, and the common thread through all of it really is just a, a, a music and a love of music. And, you know, being working on other people's music is a special kind of enjoyment because you have a different perspective, you know, it's one thing to create music and be caught in all your own, you know, curiosities and which, which way should this go and what should the next chord be? Or I also, and I love that process, but I also love um, working with other people on music that they've written and helping them get a, a great sounding record, a great recorded version of their song or their cover or whatever it is. So yeah, they're all, they're all really fun for me in different ways. Now, the first thing that you said, though, you said, I, I like to listen. How important yeah. for what you're doing, how important is it to be a listener? Paramount. Yeah, extremely. Both as a player, you know, if I'm playing saxophone or keyboards or something like that, feeding off of other players, whether they're live in the room with me or um, previously recorded. It's all about listening and feeding off what I'm hearing. Um, and any any musician knows, you know, what I'm talking about. Same with, the, you know, any actor or anybody who uh, collaborates with uh, other actors or musicians or, or what have you. So yeah, listening is, is like the most important. And, uh, and also the connection both as a as a player, a writer, producer, developing that connection between what you're truly listening to acoustically around you and listening to the ideas in your imagination and knowing how to bring those to life, you know, technically how to play that that melody that you're hearing in your mind or how to achieve that vocal sound that is running through your your head. That too is is uh, is listening, you know, listening inside. The amount of collaboration, the amount of input that the artists that you're working with is that vary based on who you're working with. In terms of my input, yeah, like for example, would you say that with some artists they want they want much more of you, they want more of your input, and then sometimes 
maybe not as much. Yeah. Like in any social interaction or, or creative collaboration, there's uh, kind of flexible boundaries that might change from one person to the next. And some people, everybody has different strengths too. So one artist might be a brilliant songwriter, but not a great technical player or an amazing singer, but admittedly not a awesome like person to think up background vocals or, you know, so depending on someone's strength and what they are requesting of me specifically, there definitely are some default, you know, hats to wear. Uh, if it's, uh, if I'm strictly engineering, you know, I won't, and there's another producer who's been hired, you know, I won't, by default, I'm not going to get overly involved in, you know, shaping a song or offering arrangement advice or tempo advice. Those are, you know, things that uh, if I'm producing, I'll, I'll be involved in. But, you know, to your point, every, every artist is, is different and has different skills and has different needs. Yeah, it varies, but uh, it probably all starts with some um, basic roles that are, you know, if you're engineering, you're gonna, you're gonna engineer. If you're mixing, you're gonna mix, but, um, if you're producing, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I was in this recording studio in Atlanta, and the band that was in the studio, the the lead singer, he really wanted feedback from everybody. I was trying mm. very hard to be quiet and stay out of the way. He didn't even know my name. And he turned mm. to me and he said, what about you? What do you think? Mm. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, from the artists that you have worked with, who would you say was the most open? The most, like, I'm open to anything, let's hear it. Hmm. Boy. (laughs) He caught me off guard. I'm not sure (laughs) I have somebody right in mind that I would go, oh, definitely that person. You know, of course, there are some, uh, when I work with uh, younger artists who are just finding their their voice and and all that. I think in general those people, singer songwriters are going to have a little more like I'm new at this and you like what what how do, how should this sound or or whatever. Whereas somebody who's older and more established, um maybe legendary, you know, it's like well they they kind of know what they want and have their trusted sources uh, whether it's uh, others in their band or you know management entourage or you know producer or what have you i think in general you know there's a i've been fortunate enough at least even with like really high profile people um everybody i've i've worked with tends to be um welcoming and collaborative at least with one person somebody who is you know in their band or or writing with them or or with the producer or I, I guess to flip your question on its head, like I haven't run into many people who are super anti <laughs> import or, or collaboration. And you kind of like pretty quickly feel that that stuff out and um and those relationships change over the course of a session. You know, if you're working together with uh, somebody for, you know, three months, six months or something like that. 
those dynamics will change and and that's part of the fun too of getting to getting to know somebody and creating a level of trust and mutual respect and interest in in each other's opinions but i do you know your story about like what do you think you know i think that's great and i've definitely experienced that uh, as well where you know a fun artist or someone playful or maybe in, insecure but i think there's a real playfulness to that and openness to that as well you know somebody singling you out you know i haven't seen you in here before what's your take on this you know <laughs> that's definitely something i've i've seen before and i think that's um that's neat you know are there ever times i mean with that list that i had at the beginning these are mm-hmm. really iconic names are there ever times where you find yourself intimidated by the person no, uh, certainly there, there's a lot of times where it's definitely like a pinch me type of like, I can't believe I'm hanging out with this person, you know? And there's maybe uh, by way of um, that person's uh, <laughs> historical contact, you know, like working with Bob Dylan, for, for example, you know, it's like there's definitely a a little intimidation just expressed more through like disbelief, like, Oh my gosh, (laughs) you know, that's Bob Dylan insane, you know, but, but not in any type of way that's sustained, you know, like it just wouldn't work to always be intimidated or freaked out or anything like that. I I guess answered a different way. I, I haven't really, I don't think I've, really been like, you know, psychologically intimidated by somebody who just has a bad attitude and, and, you know, is, is every, what I'm trying to say is of all the wonderful, talented, famous, you know, people I've had the amazing opportunity to work with, like none are intimidating, you know, in that like intentional, you know, I'm a jerk and you know, Dana, you're, you're a peon and, you know, nothing like that. Um, but certainly some jitters like, oh, wow, you know, it's not lost on me, you know, the uh, specialness of uh, the the folks I get to work with, you know, and, and, and that can be slightly intimidating, but I think in a, just a healthy sort of reverential kind of way. Interesting. Well, you know, since you mentioned Bob Dylan, you know that the album Tempest to mm-hmm. me, when you go back to the beginning, all the way till now, it's just one of his best albums, I think. <laughs> it's such a neat album. And you worked on that album. Yeah, that was just so, such an incredible time. And uh, I you know, owe that to my friend Scott Litt, who, who put that together. Man, that was so, so fun. And, and inc- incredible music that I enjoy listening to that that album as well. It's it's really <laughs> that was really cool. Would you say that Bob Dylan was different to work with than other artists? Yeah, yeah. Everybody is 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 different. You know, the he he. Although I've never been in the same room with both of them at the same time, but he and I work a, a, a lot with Neil Young and they often remind me of each other. <laughs> like I, I th- assume it's maybe, you know, being of similar age and, and aesthetic and 
So yeah, th- those two are both very different from say working with like, you know, Adele or something like that, or, you know, somebody who's from a different generation and, and grew up with different music and different uh, studio experiences. And, but yeah, it was different. <laughs> it was awesome though, working with him. And he was, he's really, uh, he's very funny and, uh, I'm smiling as I'm talking about it. We we had a, a really, really cool time. Great work. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Some of the listeners out there, they may have seen you in the David Letterman Netflix series. Oh, yeah. And I have to say, the first season, it was the first season, right? Yeah. Yeah. The thing that was cool about the first season was every episode had some kind of musical interlude. And yeah. Right. The one that you did with, it was with Lucas Nelson. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping you can tell us a little bit about working with him, the son of Willie Nelson, but yeah. a great writer in his own right. Oh, yeah. He's amazing. And shout out to also uh, Ben Rice, who was, during that, he, he was working with uh, Lucas and Promise of the Real at that time, and I was working with uh, Madison at the time, the singer who's in that, in that special, but I've worked with Lucas and, and the promise of the real guys many times via Neil Young. He's made several albums with, with those guys. And uh, so I, I kind of, before that Letterman thing, I, I had already worked with those guys a bunch and they're all just awesome players and people and, yeah, it's that's such a cool group and um he Lucas is amazing, you know, wonderful guy and obviously great uh voice and and uh talent at at writing and uh Micah as well. Yeah, they're they're a great great crew and that was especially cool to um see them work with uh Madison and it was cool they did I can't remember what remained in that episode maybe just madison's song but they did like one song of hers and one song of his and um uh, which was like a, a duet i believe it was really special like being in that room and hearing hearing their music and then just looking around the room and like that's David Letterman, <laughs> you know, like so so uh, bizarre. And you know, like I said before, sort of pinch me moments where it's like you can't be intimidated, you can't lose your cool. You, you know, you have to be professional and um, uh, you know pretend like it's no big deal. You know, <laughs> and yet you know deep down there's always a little voice like, wow, so crazy. You know, can't believe I'm in this room with these people, you know, it's really something. But yeah, um, Lucas is great and, and Promise of the Real are, are a lot of fun to, to work with. And I think the duet that people saw in the Netflix show was the uh, Let Go of Your Plans. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm so glad yeah. that that made it. You know, I saw a lot of the footage before it got edited and I did watch the episode when it came out, but it, it sometimes gets scrambled in my head, like what was on the broadcast and what <laughs> wasn't, but I'm so glad that that was on there. Yeah. The let go of your plans. It's such a cool, cool song. And, and they just sounded so, so great together. And yeah, it was, that was awesome. 
Now, this is probably a tricky question. Uh, okay. But with all the incredible records that you've had a hand in, if you had to pick one record as the best presentation of what you do, oh, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's the one you're the most proud of, which one would it be? Oh, gosh. Uh, man, maybe I'll go to my, I don't have like an immediate answer. I'm going to look, <laughs> look at my like website or something. Let's see. You know, gosh, there's so, so many fun, fun things. I'm, I really, and this is recent stuff as well as like the Avid Brothers stuff. I've done two albums with them and Rick Rubin, both of which are, were so much, so much fun. And, uh, those guys in that band are so fun and special and talented and to pick something out, you know, to that question, that's a a fair answer. You know, that that's a project I really love and music I love and people I love. And, um, you know, we work really hard at, uh, making great recordings and um it's a lot of fun and and probably all the all that stuff is rolled into my you know emotional response to to that question you know whether or not it's like the best work ever i hope so i i don't know you know every single thing i work on um is i'm always trying to do do my best work and uh I, I don't go back and listen to stuff probably as much as I much as I should or or if I did I I probably would have a quicker answer to that cuz something would would stand out acoustically or you know mix-wise or something but rather than that I guess I'm answering more just kind of uh looking at recent work like what what feels good and was a great time and and um sounds good and you know yeah i'll go with that (laughs) could you say that you've had a greatest teacher the person who taught you the most about the art of recording Hmm. there are lots Uh, i'll i'll list them you know certainly um rick uh ruben although not really teaching about the technical aspects of recording as much as the broader picture um, working with artists, creating a, an environment conducive to creativity and space, all the sort of bigger picture things, arrangement-wise, tempo-wise, things like that. As far as the actual like technical side, you know, I learned uh, so so much from all the great engineers that I assisted and um, worked with. There's Greg Fiddleman, amazing friend and engineer. Andrew Sheps learned so, so much from him, Dave Schiffman, Ryan Hewitt, my friend, uh, John Hanlon, who I, uh, work on the Neil stuff with. He's, uh, Neil Young's co-producer for many years. He's been a mentor and, and friend and teacher for a long time. I'm probably forgetting <laughs> so many others, but, uh, those are some, you know, uh, as some of the people who have really, uh, taught me, taught me so much. Something I neglected to say at the beginning when I was introducing you is also you've done quite a bit of work with 
soundtracks, with movies, things like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping you can tell us a little bit about working on Anchorman 2. Yeah. Yeah, that was super fun. It was great, you know, and, and it was our second time. I say our, I, I work a lot with a company called Beacon Street Studios in um, Venice. My friends, uh, John and John now and Andrew Feltenstein, and they compose a lot of uh, music for picture, for film and um, TV and commercials and things like that. So we had done some other soundtracks and we had done one of the, the scores and soundtracks was for Casa de Mi Padre, which is a hilarious uh, all in Spanish movie with Will Ferrell. And so I'd gotten to know him on that. Speaking of another, like pinch me, holy cow. You know, when I first met him, it was like, oh man, that's crazy. And he's really a lot of fun and very, very nice and approachable. And so the Anchorman 2 thing came on the heels of that or, or not, not too, too, too long thereafter. So it was fun to already know him and get to work with him. And of course, like, you know, growing up with Anchorman, the, <laughs> so such a favorite movie of, of mine, it was a, a pretty awesome to get to be a part of the sequel. Like I say, we, we obviously we did, most of it in Venice. And then for the vocals, you know, like all the score stuff was done in in Venice and then at a a scoring stage with a big orchestra and stuff like that. But then there were a lot of like songs in the movie. I don't remember which actually are in, in the movie itself and which are, you know, special edition things or whatever. But there, there were a bunch of songs recorded with all those guys, you know, Steve Carell and David Koechner and Paul Rudd and Will Ferrell and, and having them all in the studio together at the same time in uh, Atlanta was pretty spectacular. So much fun just seeing them riff off each other and improvise. And yeah, it was great. And then, you know, got to mix all the, the score elements and soundtrack stuff. And of course we had a great time making the uh, music for both the songs and the underscore, you know, it was a lot of, a lot of fun. I think most people who are involved in recording, they have maybe a secret list but nonetheless, there's somebody or maybe a couple of people that it's a dream to work with them. Who do you want to work with that you haven't mm. yet? Mm. I'd say first person who comes to mind would be Stevie Wonder. Oh, just lifelong fan. That would be incredible. That definitely pops to mind first. I'd have to look at my, my record collection. There's so many. Man, Peter Gabriel, that'd be cool. <laughs> I can't read my record spines from here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have two great choices there, yeah. Stevie Wonder and Peter Gabriel. Yeah, that would be great. That would be great. Maybe together, you know. Oh, you never know. Duets. <laughs> Paul McCartney would be cool. Ringo. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Is there a recording studio that has impressed you the most? Well, I would say I really enjoy um, Shangri-La 
which is Rick Rubin's studio and where I've worked for many years. Not not as staff, but as a just oftentime freelance guy. And um, that's that's where that Netflix special was shot and the Showtime docu series uh, thing as well. It's very it's just really comfortable and great equipment and uh, the staff is like no other. That's a big part too, is just having a great studio staff, people who are competent and professional and get things done and, you know, don't linger and don't like, you know, it's just, it. there's a whole, there's a kind of a culture at every studio that's kind of fostered by the studio manager, maybe, you know, certainly in Rick's case, the owner. And that's really important aside from, of course, the, the givens that, that, you know, the gear has to work and, and hopefully there's a, a tech around in, in case something crops up unforeseen after the gear and the physical location, meaning how the, the, the rooms sound and, and look and the, and the space itself, it really is, is like a staff thing, personnel thing. I think, you know, Shangri-La has all that. So that, that's really a, a fit, one of my favorite places to work. And Dana, speaking of working with people, what would you want people to say about you when you're not around? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, let's get that guy back here. <laughs> <laughs> I hate, you know, missing out on any fun, you know, musical experiences. So it's always a treat to be asked back for more. Yeah, I'll leave it at that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> what is the best thing about being Dana Nielsen? Mm, I'd say, you know, my family and uh, just the the weird life I have getting to play with music all day family and family and music. I've got a wife of 20 years, although we've been together much longer than that, back to senior year of high school. And we have a almost eight-year-old daughter and really happy to live where we do in, in LA in this Mar Vista Culver City neighborhood and have a lovely house with a studio in it that I love and a little dog who's looking at me right now. <laughs> so uh, yeah, just um, that's my f- my favorite stuff being being with my wife and daughter and getting to do music as a career. It's it's so fun. With all the stuff going on with COVID, I'm guessing yeah. that's that's got to be affecting recording as well. Oh yeah, you know I had a very very busy spring lined up and all these projects I was very excited to get into that I've been looking forward to that had been booked for many, many months. And they were all recording sessions, like groups of people getting together in a studio and making music. Of course, all of that went away, or at least is indefinitely postponed. Just was on a call this morning um, on a, uh, another project that was set to start in like two weeks and has also been ongoing in preparation for a very long time. That's another a film project. 
yeah, just this morning, like, I don't think this is going to happen. So a lot of, um, all of the recording work has definitely been taken off the plate, which is a bummer, uh, both for, you know, the exciting excitement of the project and also obviously just financially for, you know, our family and stuff like that. But fortunately, uh, we have a, a pretty awesome studio at home where I do all, all of my mixing and writing and, um, you know, pre-production and fair amount of overdubs and things like that. And so that that's remained fully functioning and uh, I'm doing, you know, mixing and uh, just, ha- just sort of had to switch gears into home-based work, which I'm very used to doing. I just, it just wasn't on my schedule <laughs> until things uh, really, really took a turn. I'm hoping that you can tell us about maybe, you know, once this all clears up, is there something that you're looking forward to or something that in particular you're looking forward to getting back to? Oh, yeah. I mean, all of those uh, projects that were on the calendar that were taken off are all things I'm totally looking forward to. I have to be careful, though. I'm not sure which, if any of those, I can talk about specifically. But I guess without naming names, there's bands that that I've, I've worked with before that I'm excited to get back in the studio with. There's a film I can't talk about that we're about to uh, record music with at a, you know, great studio, uh, you know, band type stuff that'll be used as underscore and as uh, songs in, in the film. There's another artist I haven't met or worked with yet that I'm hoping will get rescheduled without the names. I just don't want to, uh, you know, uh, release any information before these uh, artists and projects are ready for that. One of, one of them might even have like a NDA. And stuff like uh. that. So it gets a little dicey discussing future work much as I, uh, but suffice it to say, I, I'm, I'm excited about all of these things and I'm excited about the stuff that I'm doing in the meantime. You know, I'm co-producing with a friend of mine some new music for a young singer-songwriter, and that's coming out really great. This girl, Kenny Carden, who's wonderful. And um, I've got some mixing I need to do this week on some projects I'm excited about. And also doing uh, making my couple friends of mine and I have a, a new sample company making software instruments, which are not not out yet, but uh, getting close on that. So I have a fair amount of work to do mixing that stuff as well. So, um, you know, it's it's not the uh, spring schedule I had anticipated, especially not with distance learning, as it's called now, for, <laughs> for our second grader. Hmm. But, uh, you know, it's been good to just roll with it and take the time to finish up other projects that have been in the wings. You know, I'm always taking like online courses and, and learning and stuff. So I've, I've got stuff like that going on that I had subscribed to before this started. That's now like, well, great. You know, I'll do that stuff uh, while I'm on the treadmill or after the family goes to sleep or, you know, just making the best of it. 
There's one artist that's mentioned on your website, and I want to tell all the listeners they can go to DanaNielsen.com, and that's N-I-E-L-S-E-N, DanaNielsen.com. And it mentions you're you're very involved with this artist, Lily Kershaw. Oh, yeah, Lily's awesome. Yeah, I co-produced a EP for her with um, that same guy that uh, we're doing that Kenny project with, uh, the Kenny Carden stuff I mentioned. Uh, my friend Brian Green, he and I and our other friend Joey Gennetti co-produced an EP for Lily. And Lily's amazing. She's just got a incredible voice and great songwriter and yeah looking forward to some more stuff with her and she's just such a treat you know i remember i I hadn't you know i hadn't met her or brian or joey until our first day of recording i'd put together a couple days at a studio and um it was like i don't i don't know any of these folks you know, Lily and I had been trying to do something together for years. And then, you know, I'm like, I don't know this Brian or Joey. <laughs> and it, I mean, it couldn't have, couldn't have been better. Like just the first day, like, oh, this must be Lily arriving. Hey, I'm Dana. And she's, oh my gosh, how are you? And she's just like a ball of fun and so talented. And uh, Brian and Joey, as it turned out, are also absolute gems, both musically and personally. So it was it was a blast. Uh, that is called uh, "Musics for the Sad Men." Let me verify that. That's like a covers EP. Really beautiful covers cl- of classic songs. Yeah, the Musics for the Sad Men. And there's one song on there, the last one, which we did not produce or, or record, but uh, the first five are treasures. I mean, the last one's also awesome. I'm not sure where she did that but um yeah it's a great great little collection love uh, that whole crew well dana as you know everyone out there listening we're living in very uncertain times mm-hmm. and thank god we have music <laughs> yeah <laughs> no kidding yeah no kidding in closing i'm hoping you can maybe just address the audience This is very, very Mm open-ended. I've heard all kinds of advice from people about how to, how to get through things. Yeah. And, uh, sometimes the most simple thing, like a friend of mine, he said, take a walk. (laughs) Yeah. And it's done me so much good, but what would you say to anybody who's listening? As far as getting through, uh, strange times, the first thing that (laughs) comes to mind is Ray Charles. (laughs) <laughs> nice. From from when I was very young, you know, I grew up in Chicago suburbs, and uh, unlike sunny Southern California, you know, Midwest can get overcast and gloomy for long stretches, and um, even when it's like June gloom, as we call it here, you know, in LA, where you know June tends to be pretty hazy and gray and cloudy, but. Like in the Midwest, that I swear that cloud cover is so much lower and closer to to land. And even in like junior high, maybe grade school, maybe junior high, I kind of like realized how affected by that I was. And at some point realized that Ray Charles music really picked me up. <laughs> and so, 
no kidding. Like, you know, I remember many times in junior high or high school, maybe it's a Sunday morning and it's super locked in overcast and, you know, the family's home and my parents would just like put on Ray Charles, especially (laughs) like Atlantic box set, you know, I love all that era of Ray Charles stuff. And I'm a sax player, so I especially love David Fathead Newman's solos are just so freaking melodically perfect on all that stuff. So for me, still, anytime I'm, you know, the weather's bad and, you know, or uh, I'm a little (laughs) bummed out or skeeved out by what's going on, Ray Charles really makes me, makes me smile. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so, <laughs> that's my that's one of my little one of my little tricks and and certainly listening to ray charles on a walk to glom onto your your friend's suggestion is <laughs> that's a twofer right there well dana i just love you for saying that because <laughs> i used to run a, a fruit juice popsicle stand oh wow <laughs> and, and th- this was a fail safe thing if you wanted people to approach you in a good mood, you would mm. put on Ray Charles. Really? Oh my wow. gosh. Everybody loves Ray Charles. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I have chills just talking about him. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I got to see him once. I, I never got to meet him, but uh, man, yeah, I love that that music. <laughs> Absolutely. That's so cool about the popsicles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ray Charles and Fats Domino, those were the two. Ooh, great. You could play either of those and you would have, you would be in a good mood and it would kind of translate to other people. Uh-huh. And, and sales, <laughs> presumably. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's so cool. That's so cool. Well, again, anyone out there, they can visit DanaNielsen.com if they want to find out more about what you do. Dana, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day and joining me. Thank you. Yeah, it's been an this honor. has been likewise such a such a treat, Paul. And I, yeah, thanks for reaching out. It's been fun, fun chatting with you. Absolutely. <laughs> Until next time. All right. Take it easy and stay stay healthy. And uh, yeah, hope to talk to you soon. All right, buddy. Okay, Have a man. good one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye, Paul. Boobopery, boobopshy, a kinapati laxik papu, ticket con, con, ticket patakuliki, aye, nakashi, dabaya, the subtle of wonky chigalong, take on some camp top to leave a dika party chichik of mung goodbye.